It's Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Six the time. It is a Tuesday, and a lot of you folks out there are still digging out. Let's wake up, Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. Okay, phone lines are open. Well, hold on to that for just a bit. We'll get to the phone lines and talk to people around the state about how they're digging out. But yeah, snow totals were quite a bit. At my place, it just kept snowing and snowing and snowing. Lord. So well over a put about, about about sixteen inches is the snow for my place. Yeah, I know that because I'm looking out my front door and watching it pile up. And one of my neighbors hired some guy with a pretty good serious snow blower yesterday after the snow had passed to come in and just you know clear it out. And so I paid him a couple of extra bucks just to come right up my walkway because I have to get to my car. There's no other way to get to my car. So here's a couple of bucks if you had just come up. Easy for him. I mean, he walked up, turned around, walked back. That was it. So easy couple of bucks for him. Saved me a lot of work over a long period of time. of Digging, 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 right? So he made such a perfect cut up the snow. And the snow was level. So I went out there with a ruler and took a measurement up there. Wow. Okay. Basic snow total numbers from just around the area, and these are just basic numbers. Let's see, Fremont County, Townsend Creek got a foot of snow. Sinks Canyon got 10 inches worth of snow. Jeffrey City, you just got three inches. See, it really depends on where you were in this one. Let's head over to Hot Springs, Owl Creek, one inch, wimps. Little Goose in Johnson County, nine inches worth of snow. Let's get some of the bigger uh, numbers here. Let me see. Natrona County, Casper Mountain, 22.5 inches. Yeah, up top, Casper Mountain, 22.5 inches. Um, there was, let's see, Reno Hill, 17 inches. And let's see, uh, Grave Spring, 6 inches. Midwest, 5.5. Evansville, 5 inches. Powder River got four. Park County, 0.5. Where the hell were you guys, Park County? You don't want to participate in this like everybody else? Again, just depends on where you are as to how much you got. For those people that were in the Casper, I'm sorry, Cheyenne area around there, you guys have been missing out on a lot of the big snow that the rest of the state has been getting. But then again, it kind of goes back and forth. I've been talking with Don Day about this over the years. Some years, southeast Wyoming gets most of the weather. Some years, northeast Wyoming gets most of the weather. And, of course, western Wyoming usually gets a lot of it because the mountains there. But there's where we're at. Yesterday, as it just kept coming down, coming down, coming down, where I'm living, they didn't even bother to snow or to plow some of the main streets that were there. Why bother? You know, you go ahead and and I've seen uh, some people try to go out and clear their walkways while the storm was going. And then about an hour or so later, it just looked like it never happened. Like they never cleaned it. So that's where I'm glad I did not hear about if you had power outages, I'd like to know because I didn't hear about any power outages 
And for the most part, people just sort of stayed home during the whole thing, which is the best way to do this. Now, I know this is going to come as a shock to you. I-80 is closed. I know, right? For a while there, a lot around Wyoming was closed. A lot. Right now, though, let me see. They do have it open from Cheyenne to Rawlins, but really sketchy. Those up in the Medicine Bow and Hannah area, really sketchy up through there. If you're going from Rawlins through Wamsutter to Rock Springs, that's close. From Rawlins to Bristol, up over to Lander and, you know, th- that area, that's close. So there are some back highways. And so, in fact, if you wanted to go from, let's say, Medicine Bow North, let's say you're trying to head up to Casper, you're not doing it. That's all closed right now. Everything else is open but really sketchy thanks to those people with the snow plows that went through last night in the middle of the night. Because I woke about 1 o'clock in the morning, snow plow going through. Nice thing is since for most places, most places around Wyoming, there was not a lot of wind with it. And so it just kind of came down and settled and built up a nice big fluff. I ate John Grant of Canyon Morning Glen. Got missed, maybe got an inch. Yeah, see that those areas down in southeast Wyoming did not get a whole lot of this. But as you got up more north and especially more west, that's where most of the snow. And let me tell you, John, it just kept coming and coming. I kept myself busy during the course of the weekend, but there were, you know, I had three days here. And the entire time, all I kept looking out the window, day or night, didn't matter. And it just kept coming and coming. Like, God, Lord. It's, at any point, is this going to stop? And it finally did, of course. And for where I am, that was sort of late in the afternoon on Monday when it finally came to a stop. Now, some places in areas that got hit heavy, your city services are closed. So, for example, Natrona County, your administrative offices for your city, oh, no school for Natrona County School today, by the way. And then there are big piles. Independent of which town you're in and how much you got, some towns, Casper's one of them, but some other towns as well, have that big mountain of snow up the middle of the road. Because as the plows came through and pushed, they have to push it somewhere, right? And so they end up with those big mounds up the middle of the road as you try. Yeah, it was a mountain going in. But thanks to the snow plow guys who were able to drive by my place about 1 o'clock in the morning, you certainly helped me to get to work. And I really appreciate that because I was worried. I saw, oh, and let me give you, um, this is why I like really love living with Wyoming people. And I'll tell you the one disturbing thing about this when I got to, when I get to the end of the story. So I'm standing there at my front window looking out and there's a main drive in front of me and it's not a wide road but it's a, a main thoroughfare still through. And this lady, it's uphill and this lady is, uh, she's got all wheel drive I can tell but she gets caught up in there's a lot of snow and again they hadn't plowed yesterday yet. Right. And so she slides and goes off onto the side of the road. Thankfully, not the side where the cars were parked, but up toward the golf course side. And got stuck up there. And she gets out, and she's trying to figure out what to do. The car behind her stopped. 
and I grabbed, I put on some good shoes, and I grabbed a snow shovel and started to head out to give her a hand. And all of my neighbors, so there were about eight of us, we all started walking out there to give her a hand. We all had shovels and so on. And we sort of dug out from under her tires. And again, she had all-wheel drive and gave her a push, and she got going again. Very nice. And as I'm walking back, on the one hand, I'm feeling really good. Because all of the neighbors, we all just came walking out with shovels to give this lady a hand to help her get back up the hill and get home. And at the same time, I'm thinking, okay, so in other words, okay, so we were all standing at our windows, all of me, all of my neighbors were all standing at the windows of our places looking out at the same time, watching the snow come down. That's the sad part. 6.15, Wake Up Wyoming. Sometimes the best way to... Woods is on the air. Sorry, but we had a budget. Join the conversation at 888-97-WOODS. This is K2 Radio. Six eighteen is the time. Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. All right. Um, Sister dear, Lake Wales. Better be watching the snow coming down out the front door. Oh, yeah. Okay, so... Yeah, better to be watching the snow coming down at the front door and watching uh, warm places on TV. Well, that goes along with I-80 John in Grand County. You can only watch so much Netflix. Here's what I'm waiting for at my front yard. So the roof overhang there, the corner, there's this big tongue of snow that usually develops there, just bleh, down the side. Huge tongue of snow. The only way I can explain it, it looks like a big tongue. And it gets keeps getting bigger and hangs down. And it always amazes me how much snow can develop on that thing as it hangs way down off the roof until eventually it'll cut loose and fall. But I, one of these days i got to wait to see how much snow can that sucker hold before that big tongue hanging off my corner of my roof just finally just drops. I'm curious about that. One of these days I'm going to try to weigh all of that snow. All right. Now, you know, I love during times like this to pick on... I want to say it was David Vinner. I'll go back and look it up. Uh, the climatologist who said that snow was a thing of the past. Right Back in 2000, it was supposed to be over with. A rare and exciting event. You'll have to explain it to your kids. Okay. Well, I hope you were explaining it to your kids over the weekend. But there was a uh, picture, Buffalo, New York. And this was back, was 1930s, I think it was? 1970s. And there were some kids that were standing on the snow bank out in the road. And they were reaching up and touching the bottom of a traffic light. Well, this past storm that they just had, there's a picture of some kids doing the exact same thing. But snow is a thing of the past. Now, flashback, 2019. Professor at Cambridge University. Democracy is the planet's biggest enemy. The authoritarian Chinese system has some advantages when it comes to addressing climate change. So you see, the only way to prevent it from snowing like it is, which it wasn't supposed to do, because snow's supposed to be a thing of the past, so this weekend's event wasn't supposed to happen. But it did, and it's your fault, because you drive an SUV, even though they predicted it wasn't going to happen anymore. But this is David Runamasi, I think is how you pronounce his name, Foreign Policy Magazine. He's a politics professor, Cambridge University, and author of how democracy ends 
And he wishes. He wants it to. If electoral democracy is inadequate for the task of addressing climate change and the task of the most urgent one of humanity faces, then other kinds of policies are urgently needed. The most radical alternative of all would be to consider moving beyond democracy altogether. The authoritarian Chinese system, you know, slavery, has some advantages when it comes to addressing climate change. Really? Because the authoritarian Chinese system actually pollutes. When you take a look at the rivers and streams and their air, you know, they burn coal straight. So apparently that's not working. The filthiest countries out there, the ones that actually pollute, are the authoritarian dictatorships, the Chinese communist countries, as one example. One party rule means freedom from electoral cycles and less need for public consultation. Technocrat solutions that put power in the hands of unelected experts could make key decisions, take key decisions out of the hands of voters, he said. But there are two reasons to doubt this, what, the, what he says, according to the article I'm reading. First, any transition from a democratic to a post-democratic system would be massively disruptive. Secondly, it would not satisfy Thunberg's generation either. She's not asking, remember Greta Thunberg, she's not asking for democracy. She was asking for a democracy in which she could be heard. Okay, but then again, let's go back and take a look at what has been happening in authoritarian countries like China, like he mentioned. These are the most polluting countries on the planet. And yet, if there's, and if there's any way to fix it, it's to take a look at the countries that actually are best for the environment. The ones who, nobody's perfect, nobody's doing a perfect job. But those countries who do a better job at cleaning up the environment and doing what we do as human beings in a clean way. And those countries would be the rich capitalist countries. Those are the cleanest countries. The cleanest countries are not the communist countries, are not the authoritarian countries. They're the republic countries, like America is a republic, or Democrat, as these people would say, and these are the countries that have embraced free market capitalism and free thinking. And look at the countries that are the cleanest, like America. Now, if we were to go authoritarian, we would end up doing what, well, like Venezuela, which is a mess. And I also like to remind, I love doing this. I want to remind you, there's only one fat man in North Korea. There's a reason for that. So some experts from uh, excerpts from the story I'm reading the climate crisis, pause, there is no climate crisis, is an issue that requires long-term thinking across the generations, yet electoral politics is gearing toward responding uh, to immediate grievances. Politicians can talk about the long view, but without institutional change to the way we practice democracy, they're likely to look beyond short-term political gains. In other words, if they worry about getting reelected, they may not do what they have to do. Tackling climate change, the story says, is going to require significant behavioral change in what we eat, where we live, how we travel. In other words, those decisions will no longer be yours. I prefer to live in the free country where I get to decide where I want to live. And I get to decide what I eat, etc., etc. Right? 
Current patterns of food and energy consumption are unsustainable. Hold on. Once again, wrong. Current patterns, let's just take the food part. Well, the way we eat, that's unsustainable. The way. Let's go back and take a look at how we used to produce food and how we produce it today. And now we have a surplus, a massive surplus of food. It's not unsustainable. It's more sustainable than ever before. And again, what made it more sustainable than ever before? Not communism. You go to communist countries, they're starving. You go to any authoritarian country, they're starving. Go to capitalist countries. You find they're producing more food than ever thought imagined. And what did it was competition in the marketplace. And now we're producing vast amounts of food. If anybody on the planet is starving, it's not because we're not producing enough food. We're producing more than ever before. The food can't get to them, oftentimes because of authoritarian countries. We send food, again, to North Korea, and a lot of it never gets to the people. And other African nations, we send them our surplus food. And because of the authoritarians and some of these dictators and so on, a lot of the food just doesn't get to the people. So oftentimes, I call people like this politically dyslexic. They see it backwards. If we, they write, and the planet are to survive, this will mean less meat, smaller homes, fewer cars. The problem is that the climate can't wait that long. Today's enlightened young are not quick enough, decisive enough, and decisive action needs to be taken before 2030. According to, now here again is where he's wrong. They say, the cult of climate change says that the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change said we had to about 2030, or we reach a tipping point, and we're done. That's not what they said. They did not say that. That was taken out of context. Furthermore, they keep kicking that can down the road as well. Every time we reach a, a mark, they keep, remember Al Gore said a 10-year mark, and we're way past that. One way to make that happen, he writes, is to redress the inability directly by lowering the voting age. Watching the 16-year-old Thunberg put Britain's political leaders into place, it was hard to think of a good reason that she should not be allowed to vote. I can, because she was an ignorant boob. Yeah, she was suckered. The poor kid. They, they took a child, they took a child, and they basically indoctrinated her in a cult, and they used her. That's why I don't want, I want someone older and wiser who has lived through all of that and has figured out, well, I, sh I should say grown in wisdom, and has figured out these kinds of people and would not be such a sucker for it anymore. So you get the idea. I can go on with this story, but you get the idea. Uh, pretty much everything it's said in this is completely wrong. If you really want to take care of the planet, and I do, CO2 is not a pollutant. We're not in some climate crisis. But if you really want to take care of the planet, take a look at the examples of those people who are producing food in a sustainable way, energy in a sustainable way, 
who actually produce energy in the least polluting way. And you would need to look at countries like America and other capitalist free nations because we are the cleanest and most efficient at it. The worst of the worst? Do what this guy is suggesting. Go look at communist countries like China. Coming up on 630, local news coming your way. Weather forecast after that. Most of the snow is over. Most of it. Some wind coming to blow that snow around. Overall is your spoiler alert on the weather. Let's wake up, Wyoming. Here, not at you. Be part of the show at 888-97-WOODS. This is Wake Up Wyoming on K2 Radio. What the hell is this music? I don't know why I downloaded that. Okay, I'm getting rid of this song. Going to something better than that. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. It's a Tuesday. And a lot of people are snowed in. Southeast Wyoming, you did pretty good. All the parts of Wyoming... Yeah, you'll be digging out, depending on where you are as to how much you got. Now, for some of you, like, for example, uh, Natrona County area and other areas like uh, that Glen Rock, to name a few other places. Douglas, I assume you got it, too. And some other places. Casey, I'm sure you did. Uh, how did Buffalo, Wyoming do? Not sure. Okay. There will be those places that will spend a while digging out. Check to see in your area if city services are up and running if you need them. I know in Natrona County, and this is rare for Wyoming, they're having a snow day. Yeah, I know, the kids down there in southeast Wyoming, well, we have to go to school. I know, but the kids up there, yeah, furthermore toward the center of the state, they actually have a snow day. And how rare is it that Wyoming calls a snow day? But that's actually happened. And Natrona County services for the county and for the city and so on. Most of it's pretty much on hold right now just because people are going to spend a lot of time digging out. I will say that a lot of the roads in towns around Wyoming are taken care of. Here's a question I've always wondered, though. For those people who live in some of the smallest towns and way out in the middle of nowhere, how do you guys handle it? I guess you just have to do deal with it yourself, right? you got to make sure you got a... a pickup truck with a good snow plow in front or other machines you're just going to have to do it yourself because oftentimes i think about during a good winter storm people who live either in a town way out in the middle of nowhere or not even in a town you're just way out somewhere and a big storm like this comes along and you're going to get stuck in for a while that means well if you've done this before and most of you have then you've already made sure you have enough food you got your own independent power going and you probably have your own machine, so if you need to, you can go ahead and connect with main roads so you can get around. Most Wyoming main roads are operational. I-80's closed. Most, yeah, of course. Most Wyoming roads are operational right now, but it is really, um, well, just caution. Just because of the amount. Now, we do have, I've coming up in just a couple of minutes here, an extended forecast with Don Day from Dayweather. And it will be a little bit of a pickup in the wind. Not some of the gale force winds we had before all of this. You're not going to get gusting to 90 miles an hour on this one. 
but the winds do pick up as the system moves on. And most of what's happening to the east of us, while there is some snow falling to the east of us, a lot of it's going to translate into rain for them. But that extra pickup of the wind, of course, is going to start blowing the snow around. And you know what that means for highway travel. So here we go again with the roads across Wyoming. So pay attention, if you would, to YDOT throughout the day. And on your local radio stations, the ones that carry the show, you'll be. And also use the Wake Up Wyoming app, and we'll keep you posted. But uh, YDOT has a website that shows you all the roads in case you've never used it. And you can access that from your phone. And just keep an eye on what's open and closed. For me, getting to work this morning was actually not bad. They, they did not plow throughout the weekend storm. They didn't bother, except for some main arteries. They didn't bother. Not until I woke up about 1 o'clock in the morning to the sound of a couple of snow plows heading down the road. And I noticed that everything was nice and neat and clean getting to work for me and you know I get here I got here about 2.30 in the morning so most places like that but okay that's what we're dealing with now I do have a story for those just joining me on the Wake Up Wyoming site about snow totals so use your app or use the Wake Up Wyoming website and go take a look at the snow totals for Wyoming in your area and some of you guys really dodged a bullet on this one some of you are listening to me going what snow yeah other people, what do you mean, what snow? Wow. Piled really high. So depending on where you are is how high that piled. And this is why I was saying earlier, I'm glad that a lot of it was not blowing snow. In most areas, there were some areas that got some wind in Wyoming. But in most areas, it didn't really get windy. It just gently settled into big piles which actually makes it a lot easier to handle when it comes to clearing all of this stuff. Although some people got such a large amount, you're still going to need some machines out there to do that. But overall, though, it was just big piles of settling snow that didn't quit for a couple of days. So, okay, we're digging out all of that. Again, check your local listings. If schools open in your area, some of you it's not. Some school districts are actually taking snow days today. Kevin and Douglas. Oh, yeah, we got it as well. Okay. Jim and Casper. Well, glad double N. Been stuck in Arizona. Hopefully flights aren't canceled again today. But side short, uh, shorts weather. Mom's cooking. I'm not going to look at your sexy legs, Jim. Ain't doing it. 642 knobby knees wake up wyoming this weather update hey with glenn woods did you just hit the snooze really this is am 1030 k2 radio Six forty-eight. the time off we go to the ice box where frank gambino is using the ice box to actually keep warm it's a little bit uh yeah. It's not so bad in here. Not not so bad outside, actually, even though it's cold, but there's no wind. Finally. Finally, yeah. So it's tolerable out there. How'd you do at your house with all the pileups? Is there, you know, just, just snowing and snowing and snowing, okay. you and, know, and, yeah. um, you know, it was pretty pretty quiet weekend, to be honest with you. It, it was, yeah. That, I had, um, yeah. That, that football game last night was extremely disconcerting. Okay, now that was the first thing I was going to ask you about, so I know you've got news on this, of course, but... 
Still, though, to hear that a Monday night football game, they barely got it going, and all of a sudden they stopped the game, then they canceled it. Yeah, because of this guy, this guy had a major cardiac event. Right. And, frankly, it scared the hell out of me. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, oh, my. And it didn't seem to be anything more violent than than, than, yeah. than pro football. You know, but when you see players, you know, this guy's getting CPR on the field, and you see players like Josh Allen who just look completely and absolutely stunned. Right. You'll see Buffalo players that are crying. Then I'll, I'll tell you what, this the DeMar Hamlin got immediate medical assistance, and that's what saved his life for now. Right. I mean, uh, I mean, he's he's alive now. Whether he's okay, that's that's a completely different story. Right. I mean, it's just you you just don't see that. I mean, I remember the last time I actually watched the that it happened in 1971. A Detroit Lions player had a heart attack on the field and died. I watched that game as a kid. Wow. Okay. Um, this I, it, it was really, really, really frightening. I mean, um, I hope this guy's okay. That's, so th- that was another question I had: Has anything like this ever happened before? Have they ever canceled a game? Not, not like this. Okay, it's, 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 I can never remember something like that where they just said, "Oh, you know, okay, we're done." Probably the only, maybe not misinformation, but not communicated right, is they. Some of the announcers were saying that, okay, now these teams were going to, you know, uh, take ten minutes and then resume the game, which evidently, according to the NFL, that that was never under consideration ever right so you know both of the coaches says you know we're, we're not playing okay and then that's it so now what happens with this game since it was never finished? be honest with you i don't know okay. and, and, and 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 be honest with you i'm not sure at this point anybody cares okay so there we go well in the national football league buffalo bills player damar hamlin currently in critical condition at a cincinnati hospital following a major cardiac event in last night's game against the bengals the bills said that hamlin's heartbeat was restored on the field before going to the hospital and received cpr on the field for about eight minutes hamlin collapsed after he tackled bengal receiver t higgins in the first quarter of that game higgins made contact with hamlin with his right shoulder hamlin got, got up right away and then fell backwards he received uh, immediate attention from the medical staff and all you really needed to see was the look on the faces of the Bills players to know that that was a major medical issue. The game was ultimately postponed at the behest of the respective head coaches. In college football back on Friday, the Wyoming Cowboys lost to Ohio 30-27 to in the Arizona Bowl in overtime. In that extra session, the Cowboys had the ball first. They kicked the field goal to lead 27-24. Ohio responded with a 10-yard touchdown pass from C.J. Harris to Tyler Foster for a touchdown. Frankly, the Pokes got beat by a great play by the Bobcats, and that was just a terrific throw and catch for the score. UW running back Jordan Vaughn had two touchdowns. Andrew Peasley, the quarterback, 18 of 30 for 186 yards, one touchdown pass and one interception. Wyoming finishes the year 7-6. and six. Really what is better than more, more most people thought considering how young the team was and how many folks that they lost due, due to the transfer portal. Ohio wraps up things at 10-4. and four. In men's college basketball, the Wyoming Cowboys rated 22nd in the country. Um, Wyoming Cowboys beat number 22 New Mexico, 76-7 in Laramie on Saturday. The folks had some opportunities at the free throw line late in the game but couldn't capitalize and were led in scoring by Ethan Anderson with 17. Cowboys shot 49% from the floor, made eight three-pointers in the game, so that was encouraging. Next up for the folks who sit at 5-9 and nine overall and 0-2 and in Mountain West Conference play, a home game versus San Diego State. New Mexico, by the way, is 14-0. In women's college basketball, the Wyoming Cowgirls beat Fresno State in two overtimes, 77-72 to get to 8-5 and five overall, 1-1 one and one in Mountain West Conference play. Fresno scored the final 
final five points of regulation to force the first overtime. Fresno got a bucket with eight seconds to go uh, to force the second overtime. In the second extra session, however, Malene Peterson had two big free throws in the last minute, and the Cowgirls hung off from there. Allison Furtick led the way with 22, and Peterson at 18. Cowgirls will host New Mexico coming up on Thursday. That's it in sports. Okay, see, since I'm not a football watcher, I didn't know about what had happened until I got here this morning, and social media is jam-packed with people throwing out the thoughts and prayers and all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, you know, that, that was probably the best way, to be honest with you, to, yeah. to get you know information. Like, everyone wanted to know, and yeah. you know, there's, there's only so much you can say or tell. I mean, because right. that, that was just the way that the situation unfolded. Okay, thank mm-hmm. you, Frank. Coming up on some local business we have to take care of. We're going to roll into news time after that. Morning, Mandy May. She's in Casper, Wyoming. Yeah, we're going to be digging out for a while. Coming up on some local business, news time, national local update on your weather forecast. You and I get back into it again. It's Wake Up Wyoming. stretch seven oh six the time it is a Tuesday it's wake up my I mean my name is Glenn Woods thanks for joining me some areas have closed cities counties and even schools that includes Natrona County for one. Check with your area if you got enough snow. Did you have a, do you have a snow day today? Some areas in Wyoming do. And if Wyoming has called a snow day, then we got a good amount of snow. Some of you wimps out there lucked out and got nothing, pretty much nothing. Mostly that southeast Wyoming got a lot of nothing compared to other parts of the state, which pretty much got shut down for three days worth of snow. I-80, most of it, of course, is closed. Other highways are open and running. And thanks to all the snowplow guys and gals out there, appreciate what you did keeping that going. But, yeah, it didn't. It just kept coming down, kept coming down. Now, as you heard with your local forecast, Don Day, there's going to be some wind today. Not, not gale force winds, nothing outrageous, but still, we're going to have snow blowing around, of course. So... We'll get you through that on your local radio stations. And if you have the Wake Up Wyoming app, we'll keep you up to date on that as well. Again, if you got a good amount of snow, you got kids, check your school district. Because there are a few places around Wyoming that actually canceled school today, which is a real rare thing. Okay. So, got to hit the disclaimer before I get into this next one. Morning. This show contains reference to guns, liberty, limited government, low taxation, the cult of climate change, free thinking, cigar smoking, short people, rubber chickens, Karen's bureaucracy, liberal buzzwords, tour runs, traffic, toilets, terrible jokes, and more. No apologies will be issued. Guest callers may express any opinion they want without fear of being canceled. Unless you're a loudmouth jerk like Dave, then Glenn will hang up on you. Strap in, hold on to your coffee, 
and feel free to participate. This disclaimer does not report to every person named Dave. Just one particular Dave from San Francisco. We know a lot of Daves. They call this show all the time and they're great people. So don't call this program and complain that we use your name. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. On Sunday, 60 Minutes, and I stopped watching 60 Minutes a long time ago because they lost all sorts of credibility for all sorts of different reasons. 60 Minutes brought on a failed doomsday biologist to once again predict a mass extinction of humanity. Paul Ehrlich. Now, Paul Ehrlich was a guy who back in the 70s, I think it was, wrote the book The Population Bomb, which he predicted that the world population was going to crash. I mean, big time crash. There's going to be dead fish on our seashores. And, oh, where we're living right now is supposed to look like the sandy deserts of Iraq. And the Platte River is supposed to be bone dry, according to Ehrlich. Mass starvation and all sorts of other problems. That was the population. The world was overpopulated, you understand. And this huge population crash was going to happen. And so he was a darling of the media. Remember what I've told you in the past. News media doesn't report news. They report controversy and hype. And when they cannot find it, they will create it. So everything that Paul Ehrlich predicted in the population bomb not only failed to happen, it failed to happen spectacularly. Our population is far beyond anything that he ever said was sustainable. And we're doing great. We have more food than the human population could ever consume. It is difficult to get the food to some people because of dictators and so on. But we are, you want to talk sustainable? We've pretty much figured out sustainable. Long before we ever got to wind and solar, by the way, but that's a whole other story. So here's what 60 Minutes did. Story in front of me. CBS rang in the New Year's Saturday night with the population bomb author and biologist Paul Ehrlich. Continuing to warn Americans about the threat of mass extinction. Even though his book failed a long time ago. Journalist Scott Paley spoke with Ehrlich on the subject of sustainability. As Ehrlich repeated his claims, humanity is no longer sustainable as a species due to our increasingly high population. Quote, the rate of extinction is extraordinarily high now and getting higher all the time. He explained, humanity is not sustainable. To maintain our lifestyle, yours and mine, basically, for the entire planet, you'll need four or five more Earths. Not clear where that's going to come from. Ehrlich's book, 1968, is when he came out with that. Originally predicted widespread famine and overall end of civilization within the next decade. So, he predicted that in 1968. That was supposed to happen if it's a decade by 1978. Here we are, 2023, and none of what he predicted happened. Although Ehrlich was wrong on all counts, the program concluded and presented him as a reputable source. Why would you bring him on as a reputable source when everything that he predicted didn't happen? Why even waste the time on 60 Minutes? All right. Quote, the alarm Ehrlich sounded in 68 warned that overpopulation would trigger widespread famine. And he's wrong about that. The Green Revolution fed the world. The Green Revolution fed the world? 
That's what 60 Minutes said. That's not what fed the world. Capitalism fed the world. But all right, reading on. But he also wrote in 68, the heat from greenhouse gases would melt the polar ice caps and humanity would would overwhelm, be overwhelmed by all of this. Humans would have to take over 70% of the planet and 70% of the land and there wouldn't be enough fresh water. Again, none of that happened. In fact, we figured out how to produce more food on less land. That's part of the reason it's so sustainable. This segment also included comments from Ehrlich's colleague, Tony Brunsuski, claiming that there isn't a scientist who would state that we're not in an extinction crisis. That's not true either. I can introduce you to many, and I quote them all the time on this program, who say just the opposite. Uh, I was alarmed, he said, Paul Ehrlich. I'm still alarmed. All of my colleagues are alarmed, said Paul Ehrlich. Ehrlich's comments and 60 Minutes itself were ridiculed well into Monday, the story says, for continuing to push the same incorrect predictions that are decades old. I mean decades, as in 1968 failed predictions. In his archive footage from the 70s, is Ehrlich still around? Is CBS really this stupid? American commitment to President Phil Kepern remarks. Is this archive footage from the 70s or is Ehrlich still around? Is CBS really the... I'm going to play what's here. This is uh, was on Twitter uh, where they took a, a segment of the show, apparently. So let's see what this says here. Wait a second, get the audio going. Two weeks ago at the UN Biodiversity Conference where nations agreed to conservation targets. But at the same meeting in 2010, those nations agreed to limit the destruction of the Earth by 2020, and not one of those goals was met. This despite thousands of studies, including the continuing research of Stanford biologist Paul Ehrlich. Yeah, see again, everything that Ehrlich has ever predicted has not come true, and yet he's being brought on 60 Minutes as the expert. This is why a long time ago I quit watching 60 Minutes. Club for Growth senior analyst Andrew Follett wrote, Biologist Paul Ehrlich has been consistently wrong about every prediction he's ever made, and yet media outlets keep having him on. Comments as preservationists, environmentalists like those, uh, a grave threat to nature, thinking, uh, well, okay, I can get into all of this. Basically, the idea is uh, your news media hasn't changed its tune since the 1960s. I like this one. When a 90-year-old man, this is a tweet, when a 90-year-old man tells you there are too many people, you're allowed to ask why he's still sticking around. <laughs> that's a good one. Okay. But that's 60 Minutes and the news media. And what a great way to bring in the New Year, 60 Minutes. Oh, that's just great. Go, go ahead with a doomsday prediction like this. Bring in the New Year. I'm hoping because it was 60 Minutes and it was... New Year's Eve. Nobody was watching it. Other people, everybody was out partying or something like that. Seven sixteen. Wake up, Wyoming. Anywhere you roam with the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. This is AM ten thirty K two Radio. Seven twenty one is the time to wake up Wyoming. So Jim, normally of Casper, is down there in Arizona. Oh, just suffering away. 
Right, so I don't know about extinction events, but I'm tired of global warming, closing airports and canceling flights and piling up my driveway and freezing lakes and rivers and making me wear layers of clothes and increasing my gas bill and kill me. Then he sends me a picture of his knobby knees and shorts. Well, thanks a lot for that. Yeah, I appreciate that, Jim. Now, he's just in nice weather out there. So, okay. Um, Rain for danger. I think most people are simply sick of all of this end of the world. Thinking, well, yeah. Look, there have been, and I've read before, going back as far as I could find in history, in human history, there has always been multiple end-time cults. And end-time cults include climate cults as well. Whenever the weather got bad at any time, humans always blame themselves. It was always our fault. Even when volcanoes erupt, quick, throw a virgin down the volcano, you know, something like that. What I want to know, for those just joining me, uh, 60 Minutes on Saturday ran a story with Paul Ehrlich, the guy in 1968 who predicted the population bomb, that by 1978, all of humanity, most of humanity would be dead because we cannot sustain what we're doing. Well, it's now 2023, and we're doing great, and there's a vastly bigger population than he ever thought would be sustainable. My question for the news media out there is, why are you still talking to this guy? If 60 Minutes was a real news organization, which obviously they're not, they really wanted to be honest about this. They would run, and they'll never do this, but they should. They'll run a story asking, why do we have so many failed doomsday climate predictions. In the summertime, the North Pole is not supposed to have snow anymore. It does. Snow and ice is supposed to be gone. The North Pole is supposed to be devoid of snow and ice in the summertime. Polar bear population is supposed to be dead. Polar Ehrlich's a population bomb. Most of us were never supposed to be here. None, none of, and he predicted a lot of things. None of it ever happened. And I'm just getting warmed up on all these failed climate predictions. Snow is supposed to be a thing of the past. That was supposed to happen by the year 2000. Obviously, that's not the case. And again, you've, you've heard me do it. Some of you heard me do it, where I've taken the entire four-hour program and done nothing but read failed predictions that didn't happen. Where is the 60 Minutes investigative report as to why so many of these predictions fail? Let's dig into that. At any time during the 60-minute interview with Paul Ehrlich, did the reporter ask, but Mr. Ehrlich, everything that you predicted, everything, everything that you predicted did not come to pass. Why not? How could you have been so wrong after all these years? I did one time, because Al Gore was one of those who said that the polar bear population was done. If they'll be, they're supposed to be extinct by now. Al Gore said that, right? I did one time watch Al Gore giving a speech somewhere, and he had a question and answer, which he doesn't do anymore if he does speak somewhere. No more question and answers, because sometimes somebody comes in with a real question, and they're not supposed to be allowed in the room. They're a denier. And somebody stood up and said, but Mr. Gore, you said that the polar bear population would be done by now. And yet their population has increased 
I mean, greatly, and they're very healthy. And Al Gore tried to make the argument, now the, the polar bears are, in, but they're, no, sir, their numbers have increased and they're fatter and happier than ever. Now, that is a fact. Why is that? And, of course, Al Gore, because to him, the, the, the science has settled, the debate is over, moved on and ignored the guy and went on to something different. And where was the media on that? How come reporters have never just stood up and said, excuse me, Mr. Gore, you predicted the following. Why not? What happened? Micah on Xbox yes. Morning. Okay. <laughs> I will now play the devil's advocate. Having been raised around a lot of physicists and scientists and mm. experts in this and experts in that, you know, a lot of things would have happened had there not been somebody given the information that they had access to at the time mm -hmm. didn't bring things to people's attention. Right. Did, what I'm talking yeah. about specifically is are the doomsday cultists. There are scientists out there who have actually that is true, done a lot of good. In fact, if you take a look at our doomsday, well, if you take there a, are also a lot of issues that people do not even look at sure. until somebody brings the possibilities of what can happen if we don't start looking at right. it. Right. Now, here's here's so a, that guy way yeah. back in his day. I mean, I can remember, too. People are like, oh, my God, the world's going to right. starve. Oh, my God, we're going to this, we're going to that. And yet, now, look at all the things that we have done. Right. So but we didn't do it because happen. of someone like Paul Ehrlich, though. Um, are you sure? Yes. Absolutely sure. Uh, there is a big difference between a scientist who will come along and say, for example, when you take a look at a, uh, a coal power plant, and that's steam coming out of there. I mean, we've cleaned it up a lot. We used to just throw coal straight in and just burn it. And then scientists came along and said, wow, this is really unhealthy, and we need to do something better here. And we are. And because of that, when we burn coal here in Wyoming, that steam you see coming out of those stacks, healthy as can be. And that's because scientists came along and, di and, and did that. There's a big difference between that and Paul Ehrlich, who said within the next 10 years, over half the po human population will be dead. And he was 100% wrong about it. Okay, but would those other scientists have cleaned up yeah. the, the pollution if it had not been that, oh my God, a whole bunch of people are getting sick from things, and our scientists started looking into it and started pinpointing okay. it. The I mean, difference, look how long the, it wait. took to convince people about cigarettes. Right. The difference is... <laughs> Look how long is, it took to get the cocaine out of Coca-Cola. Oh, sure, yeah. But again, the difference is between someone who raises a legitimate, provable concern and someone like Paul Ehrlich. The doomsday cultist. But at that cultist. time, it probably was provable. I can remember way back in the 50s, my father predicting that we would not have the gasoline that we have now. Right. The oil. Mm. At that time, for what we knew for about what we the knew oil at the time, supply right. of the world, yeah. he would have been right. Well, at but the time, that was being that, that was being said. That my father helped invent, by yeah. the way. But that, yeah, but that that was being said at the time because of, of what we knew at the time. But again, the, the, I got to run for news here. But the, again, the difference, Micah, is between those people who raise a legitimate concern, and so we work to solve a legitimate problem, and the doomsday cultists 
who want to punish humanity. And, of course, we're all going to die within the next 10 years, which never comes true. i got to run for news. Thank you, Micah. It's okay to play devil's advocate. That's a good, it's a good practice. Coming up on some local business. That's news time. Right after news. Update on your weather forecast. Then you and I get back into it. And, Micah, I'll address a little bit more of what you were talking about. Because that's a legitimate point to bring up. Let's wake up, Wyoming. Hear 97 Woods or chat him on the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. This is AM 1030 K2 Radio. 7.36 the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Okay, Mike, I was not being dismissive of you, but I'm going to actually play it to your point. So what I was talking about was a 60 Minutes report of on... New Year's Eve, where they brought on failed scientists whose predictions have consistently been drastically wrong. And yet we've written all sorts of policies and so on based on all of these people who are constantly wrong. And Micah would say, would we have made changes if they hadn't been saying these things? It depends on what we're talking about. Let me give you an example of what I mean, Micah. So we'll go back to 1969 and the Cuyahoga River caught fire. And that's not the only river that has. That's in central Ohio. It's not the only time that's happened. But that was a river that's downstream from some factories at the time. And the river itself actually caught fire because the factories were just dumping pollution straight into the river. New York, in fact. Yeah, the, the Hudson, is that had just sewage just rolling down the Hudson. In fact, even before that, when you went to London, uh, London used to be, uh, they just dumped sewage wherever, and it was all over the place. It was in the streets. It was in their water system. And it took scientists and doctors, you know, putting them in the scientific community too, to come along and say, hey, this is bad. Look at what we're doing. People are getting sick off of this. And they proved it. They actually showed if we're dumping chemicals into our water system, it's making us sick because we're bathing and drinking and cooking with that water. Here, look. And they showed the evidence. And it was true. And when the water was cleaned up, that no longer happened. And if you go, you can swim in the Cuyahoga and the Hudson River now and eat fish out of it and so on. It's clean. We cleaned it up. London did the same thing. So that's when scientists were right about, hey, there was a time here in America where we just went along and just cut down trees and never tried to reforest the area. We just cut them down. Now, a lot of environmentalists think we still do that. We just cut down the trees and we never replace anything. That's not what we do. In fact, if we take a look at our mining operations and our old oil wells and, you know, so... We actually now have land reclamation because someone pointed out, hey, um, if you just go mining or drilling for oil or something like that and you leave a big mess, here's what it does, not just to the animals out there, but to us. And they showed it. And so we made changes because of it. There's a big difference between that and doomsday cultists like Paul Ehrlich, who predicts we have 10 years or 
over 60% of humanity is dead, which never happened. Read his book, The Population Bomb. Nothing that he predicted in it came true. And yet he's still hailed by 60 Minutes as some kind of an expert. Now there is the difference. Someone who actually shows, look at what we're doing wrong. Hey, leaded gasoline. It was shown. Leaded gasoline is causing health problems. So we fixed the leaded gasoline problem. That was provable and it was fixed and we're cleaner because, we're cleaner because of that. Good thing we did that. There's a big difference between that and the doomsday cultists who make predictions that never come true, who say that all of the scientists agree when all of the scientists don't. When anybody steps up and says you're wrong about that, they try to have that person canceled. The people who actually say things like the science is settled, the debate is over, which is not true. So you see, my point, Mike, is there's a difference between those people who actually do show up with provable science. And then when we correct the problem, we can actually see the result. There's a difference between that and a Paul Ehrlich type or an Al Gore type or many other people in the what I call cult of climate change who are making wild predictions that never come true. One of my favorite ones that I love repeating over and over again, the Maldive Islands were supposed to be underwater decades ago, and they're not. Snowfall was supposed to be a thing of the past. Polar bears were supposed to be extinct. The North Pole was not supposed to have any snow or ice in the summertime anymore, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Why are the people who predict those outrageous things continued to be pulled out as experts in anything when they're never right. 742, Wake Up Wyoming. Sometimes the best anywhere you do with the Wake Up Wyoming app. Free download for Apple and Android. This is K2 Radio. Seven forty-five is the time. Wake up, Wyoming. Off we go to talk to Don Day of Day Weather. Okay, Don. So after, from at my house for just one day and night after the next of nonstop slow-moving snow, but then I've talked to some people this morning where what snow event didn't get any snow. Well, I I don't know if anybody got zero snow. Now right. it depends on where you are. Right. Uh, I will tell you that the northern counties of the state pretty much missed out. As you get up along that Montana-Wyoming border area. Yeah. But the central counties of the state, the southwest and the south-central parts of the state were the areas that got the heaviest snow. Now, Laramie and Cheyenne got a couple of inches. Uh, that's it. So those areas did not get very much snow at all. But certainly Lander, Riverton, Casper, Rollins got a report of two feet of snow in the Rollins area. Then in the Casper area, there's well over a foot in many areas. We have uh, an area southwest of Lander, a 27-inch report. Oh, so basically the middle of the state, on the on the southeast corner and the northern edges, those, those are the areas that get, didn't get very much. Now, usually when an event like this is pulling out of the area, which is what's happening right now, the wind comes moving in, and now we're just drifting everywhere. Yeah, and that'll be a problem later today and tonight, especially along I-25. 
uh, in particular, than Interstate 80 around that Arlington Elk Mountain area. So, yes, the, the snow is essentially done. There'll be some lingering flurries here and there and some snow showers over the mountains. So that'll allow road crews to get make some headway here during the day today to try to get roads and highways uh, at least open and passable in some areas. But later today and tonight, I-80 and I-25 will have sections of high winds, and that'll cause blowing and drifting. And that'll be the next travel headache. Okay, now this is where when things sort of calm down for just a bit, you listen very closely to hear if the magazine reloads and someone has racked a new round in. Well, that's going to certainly happen along the West Coast again. Uh, We are going to see, they'll be making the news again. California is going to get wallop with two strong cold fronts this week, uh, bringing more rain and snow to those areas. And the leftovers will get into the Rockies. However... They're going to be little systems. So I don't see a big storm reloading right. for the rest of the week or through this weekend or into early next week. But there still will be systems coming through. So we'll see more snow in the high country, a little bit of snow shower activity on the plains. But what just occurred, that larger type of Pacific system is not in the cards. Okay. And good news is I was watching the video you put up this morning for Cowboy State Daily uh, and the snowpack numbers are actually looking really good. Oh, they're looking great. Uh, I mean, you look at some of the big drainages where there's a lot of water uh, that is really critical. That would be the upper North Platte. That would be the lower and the upper green and Wind River uh, snowpack areas. They're all well above 100% of average. The upper North Platte hit 125% of average yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what you want to do is be able to maintain that. Uh, and what was really critical about this this past weekend is the water content of the snow was really high uh, for, for December. A lot of water. I mean, there was a, a place in the Wasatch near Salt Lake, above Salt Lake, that got 52 inches of snow and over nine and a half inches of water equivalent. Nice. So think about okay. 10 inches of water. Yeah. In, in just a chunk of snow. So that's going to do wonders for the snowpack. All right. Thank you, Don. Don Day with Day Weather. Well, that was good to hear. In fact, even out in the California region, they're catching up on their drought so far this year. Off to the icebox we go, Frank Gambino. So, Frank, I know you have more on, of course, uh, Buffalo and the football player that stopped the entire game, but also professional race car driver Ken Block killed in an accident. I didn't even recognize who he was, to be honest with you. Yeah, I just saw the, let me see, he was killed in Utah Monday during a snowmobile accident, uh, according, so it wasn't on the track somewhere. Um, That's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Now, this looks like, okay, it looks like what he's driving, though, is not your typical NASCAR thing, but he is known in racing circuits out there. So there's a snowmobile accident that he is. Now, the other gentleman that I know you're going to talk about in just a moment, last I heard with Buffalo, he is in a medically induced coma. Um, or in critical condition, not a, probably on a ventilator, or they... Uh... Uh, yeah, they said news top of the hour, they said medically induced coma, which means they're working on them. Right. But usually that's to stabilize them and so they can go ahead and do some work on them. So, uh, I, I, would, I would take that as a, as a good sign, to yeah. be honest with you, all things considered. Yeah. The, man, the young man's got a long way to go, so... How old was he? He's young. 24. 24. 24 years old. Wow. Okay. And sometimes, uh, I guess, for every 100,000 athletes, you can take a sharp, blunt uh, hit to your chest that could take your heart out of rhythm. 
Yeah. And and you know it'll interrupt the the, the electric pulse of your heart. Sure. Two, two out of every one hundred thousand. That's that's maybe what happened to Demar Hamlin. Uh-huh. All righty. In the National Football League, Buffalo Bills player Demar Hamlin currently in critical condition at a Cincinnati hospital following a major cardiac event in last night's game against the Bengals. The Bills say Hamlin's heartbeat was restored on the field before going to the hospital. He received CPR on the field for about eight minutes. Hamlin collapsed after tackling Bengal receiver T. Higgins in the first quarter of that game, and he made contact with Hamlin with his right shoulder. Hamlin got up right away and then fell backwards. He received immediate attention from the medical staff, and all you really needed to see was the look on the faces of the Bills players to know that this was a major medical issue. The game was ultimately postponed at behest of the respective head coaches. In college football back on Friday, the Wyoming Cowboys lost to Ohio 30-27 to in the Arizona Bowl in overtime. In that extra session, the Cowboys got the ball first. They kicked the field goal to lead 27-24. Ohio responded with a 10-yard touchdown pass from C.J. Harris to Tyler Foster for a touchdown. Frankly, the post got beat by a great play, and the Bobcats executed that perfectly for that win. A terrific throw and a terrific catch in the end zone for the touchdown. UW running back Jordan Vaughn had two touchdowns. Quarterback Andrew Peasley, 18 of 30 for 186 yards, one TD pass, and one interception. Wyoming finishes the year at 7 and 6, and really that's a better than expected result considering how young the team was. Ohio wraps the things up at 10 and 4. In men's college basketball, the Wyoming Cowboys gave 22nd rated New Mexico all they could handle, but fell 76 75 in Laramie on Saturday. Cowboys had some opportunities at the free throw line late, but just could not capitalize. They were led in scoring by Ethan Anderson with 17. Pokes did shoot 49% from the floor, and they made eight threes in the game, so that was encouraging. Next up for the Cowboys will be a home game against San Diego State. Cowboys are 5-9 and nine overall, then 0-2 in Mountain West play. New Mexico, by the way, overall is 14-0. and 0. In women's college basketball, the Wyoming Cowgirls beat Fresno State in two overtimes, 77-72 to get to 8-5 overall. 1-1 one and one in Mountain West Conference play. Fresno State scored the final five points of regulation to force the first overtime. Fresno got a bucket with eight seconds to go in the, to force the second overtime. In the second extra session, Malene Peterson hit two big free throws in the last minute, and then the Cowgirls hung off from there. Allison Furley, the Douglas native, led the way with 22. Peterson at 18. Cowgirls will host New Mexico on Thursday. That's in sports. When does high school start back in? Uh, depending on the roads and everything else, um, yeah. this week. Okay. Uh, Thursday, you know, Friday and Saturday will be a, an enormous, a lot of wrestling tournaments, a lot of basketball. There'll be some events that will start, uh, you know, maybe Thursday, you know, t- maybe early today, maybe tomorrow. Okay. You know, depending on, on road conditions. I mean, you know, the schools here, here in the Trona County are closed. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah, it depends. Okay. Well, sorry to tell you, kids, you got to get back to school. Yeah, we got to yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business. That we have to take care of. We're going to roll into news time after that. And national local update on your weather forecast. Oh, since he mentioned, so Frank Gambino's in Natrona County, Casper, Wyoming. And those schools are closed. So if you got a lot of snow, you probably already know by now. But it's a good idea to check with not just schools, but also city and county services if you were in need of those. Because some places have just closed their city and county down and told employees, just stay home. Just dig out, basically. Wake up, Wyoming. I never write...
6 the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. I do have a guest coming up at 820. Wyoming Business Council CEO Josh Dorrell. Who wants to talk to us about what they have in mind for the upcoming year and, you know, diversified in the economy, things like that. Also, 906, Executive Director of the Yes House Foundation, one of those organizations that volunteers and helps in the state of Wyoming. That's important, too. Other than that, we do have a lot of open phones. So last hour of the program, I was talking about why 60 Minutes brought in Paul Ehrlich, who wrote The Population Bomb in 1968. And he made doomsday predictions, none of which came true. And yet 60 Minutes still brings him on at the end of 2022, the last day of, as some kind of an expert, which he's not in anything. And yet they still bring this guy out as some kind of an expert. And then there's this. Cowboy State Daily. Doomsday theorist says world will blow up soon. We'll speak in Cheyenne in January if we make it through January. If January happens all the way through. Here's the story. A popular internet doomsday theorist will visit Wyoming to talk about the solar system and its relationship with everyday life on Earth. Ben Davidson runs Suspicious Observer, which boasts a YouTube channel with about 649,000 subscribers. Launch and Learn Meetup Cheyenne, January 7th, according to his IMDb page. So... They are an online research community dedicated to investigating solar activity, earthquakes, astrophysics, and weather. Okay, fine. Specifically, Davidson propagates his belief that the solar storm flares have a effect on everyday life on Earth, and they do. He also believes that earthquakes are influenced by the sun, and humans aren't the cause of climate change with him so far. Davidson released at least one new video a day detailing his solar forecast for the day in solar. So in other words, and I've watched other people like this, not ones making predictions, but just like you listen to Don Day to get your weather, you can watch what the sun weather is. And there are scientists trying to figure out what the sun's forecast will be. There's so much we have to learn, just like here on Earth. Most, even though we, we've done so much to understand the weather here on Earth, we don't understand most of it. It's still a new field, and scientists still struggle just to get a three-day forecast right, much less a five-day forecast. Forget your 10-day forecast. So when someone says, well, this is what the Earth is going to be like by 2030 or 2050, they don't know. We're struggling to figure out Earth, so there are scientists watching the sun to see if they can find forecast predictions. We've learned a lot, but we most things we don't know. So this gentleman that's going to be speaking in Cheyenne believes that electrical activity on Earth can help predict earthquakes when they happen, that climate change is massively flawed concept because of improper accounting for solar forces. He's right about that. Well, I've talked to many people, many people, uh, including scientists and and meteorologists and so on. Most of what we experience as what you would call climate change here on Earth has to do with cycles of the sun. It's his this gentleman's doomsday predictions that I have a problem with. I will get back to that, but hang on. Judy and Casper were their first call of the year. Good morning, Judy. Good 
Good morning and happy 2023. Yeah, we made um, it and the polar bears are still alive. I know. I haven't been out of my driveway in three days, man. I, I can tell you about it out here. All of that global <laughs> warming that fell on your house. Yeah, I got it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, about 14 inches of it. Hey, I wanted to uh, send a message out to Harriet Hagman. Um, this is her chance to uh, show us in Wyoming that we didn't make a mistake by voting for her All right. and vote against McCarthy uh, being Speaker of the House. And then uh, secondly, you'll be happy to hear this. Cheney closed her Washington office. Okay, wait, wait a second now. Hang on. Okay. Now, I don't want to do the head explosion because this is a good thing. But you should have warned me about that because I can have I, I have like applause sound effects. You see? Okay, hang on a second. Okay, so Cheney closed her office. Okay, much better. You see, if you warn me in advance, I can go ahead and set you up. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, and two more items: uh, the Board yeah. of County Commissioners meeting for tonight. Uh, Natrona County's closed down, so right. if uh, anybody was thinking of going, please stay home. Uh, the roads haven't been cleared up enough um, to get out there and skate around for something that isn't going to happen. Okay. And then last but not least, we have rank voting on our ballot down in Cheyenne. Call your reps. Tell them they better not pass that. Look at what happened in Alaska. Right. Right. Okay. So, and for those people who want to find out more information about ranked choice voting, there's a lot of information online about how that works, but also get a hold of your representatives. And that's pretty easy to find out who your representative is and talk to them. That's what I like about Wyoming, Judy. If you want to talk to your representative for your state legislator, it's usually pretty easy to yeah. do. Yeah, they are. It's been really good. Um, I want to congratulate uh, Dallas Laird and uh, Mr. Friel. Uh, for their uh, winning the county commissioner seats, but we need to uh, hold their feet to the fire as well. Okay. Um, what they pulled the last time, I was going to give a nice long spiel about it tonight, that they need to uh, rescind this land use plan until it's done correctly right. and properly, proper notice to the public. But anyway, I thought you'd get a okay. kick out of that, me and all that. So. Okay. Let me throw one more. I got a question for you, though. Kevin McCarthy, so what's your beef specifically? Um, he's just an insider. He's okay. been in there. Um, he was part of the impeachments. I know that because he passed a lot of Trump stuff around the house. I just don't like the guy. I don't trust him. Okay. I want Jim Jordan or Lee Zeldin or even Devin Nunes if he'd ever leave True Social. Because those are the guys that discovered all the wrongdoing by the FBI and what Obama's administration was doing. Okay. And also, I kind of like the idea of just getting fresh blood in there in general. Fresh blood. You well, betcha. I don't want that man third in line for my presidency. Yeah. Ever, never, ever. I am just, so. in general, and I'm talking both parties here, I am just tired of establishment. I want different. Yep. Yep. You know, I'm sorry to see that it's only... Uh, five or nine that are voting against kevin where's our other 187 yeah. you know uh, what are you guys weaklings out there yeah. you don't know how to uh stand on your own and you gotta fall in line or what did kevin promise you probably that last one more than anything else yeah i'm sure all right so, thank you judy you anyway, call me when you're ready for that steak dinner dude okay do that i'll do that thank you yeah she invited me her and her husband apparently listens to this program quite a bit. Poor guy. Well, poor Judy.
you know, she's got a husband who listens to this program a lot. I just, and then she's got to put up with that. So, okay, uh, they invited me to a steak dinner at some local restaurant, which I am fine with doing. I, I, I was thinking I could have done it during the course of this weekend, but it snowed so much over the course of the weekend. I, I, <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. I just stayed inside. 8.15, Wake Up Wyoming. Your Wyoming Travel Network up. Talk. This is Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Be part of the show at 888-97-WOODS. Coming up in 820, it's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. Okay, we get into the new year. And, of course, everybody has the same concerns every single year about making sure that Wyoming, especially during tough economic times, continues to grow, diversify. On the phone with me right now, Wyoming Business Council CEO Josh Durrell. Morning, Josh. Good morning, Glenn. How are you today? Very good. So we have, as always, lots of plans to make sure that the state can continue operating, especially when there's our forecast out there for even tougher economic times. So what does the state of Wyoming and the Business Council have in mind for this coming year? Because I expect it to be good things, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. There are a lot of good things on the horizon. And, you know, in the short term, Wyoming's economy is, is fairly strong in the short term. And I think what we're all looking at is how do we make sure that it's it's stronger in that mid and longer term? And, you know, diversification is something we always talk about. Um, and it's, it seems to get the press. Uh, there was an article, I guess, about something from 1985 with uh, the Governor Herschler at the time and talking about diversification. And, and so it's like deja vu all over again. But, you know, we do have a number of things at the Business Council that will make, I think, make a really big difference. And that's uh, we've got a number of projects that are coming up, but we're also working with the legislature to, uh, to push forth a budget that will provide a little bit more money for us in order to build capacity in some of the communities in, in Wyoming and, um, and and make sure that their economies are, are really kind of more resilient and confident moving into that mid and, and far term. Now, define what you mean for those who don't understand. What do you mean by build capacity? Yeah, thanks. That's a, that's a great question. And, and building capacity means how do we make sure that each of the communities in Wyoming has the resources? And that doesn't just mean money. That means the, the kind of the the literal and the figurative infrastructure to really take care of their own economy. And, and so when we build capacity, not only do we want to have assets like the infrastructure that they need for a business park to survive or a building so that a business can move in and, and really kind of generate that revenue for the community, but we also mean the leadership within a community and the economic development uh, chops, if you will, to make sure that that community can continue to thrive in the future and really that's what we're focused on. I know that a lot of things get the big headlines, but what we're really focused on is that that leadership ability, making sure that their economic development organizations are strong, and and making sure that their infrastructure is ready for the growth that that could come. Right. State of Wyoming does have, and I know that I've been living here for about 16 years now. Came over from the East Coast, and I noticed that the state does have a lot to offer, and yet it is difficult to get different types of businesses here. If When I take a look at the state of Wyoming, I see a place where it's easy to start up a business compared to most other states. There's almost nothing to it. You come in here with a dream and some capital to do so, and 
off you go. In fact, I even had a friend who started up a business a few years ago. He wanted to talk to the state of Wyoming, and he went and called the state capitol, and lo and behold, he got the boss on the phone, not just some employee, and who led him through, here's what you need to do to get your business started. So as far as that kind of economic development, it's really easy to start something and get it going in Wyoming. But for some reason, why are we not, or do you know, why are we not attracting people? Yeah, that's something that we're really looking deeply at is is why have other states around us grown at a different rate than we have? And um and, and one of the one of the things that uh that we're looking at is, you know, it's a complex issue. It, there's a workforce issue, there is a there's a there's a boom and bust cycle that we have and, and really in a lot of ways Wyomingites enjoy a really good standard of living for the most part. Now it, it goes up and down. But, but our, our wages and things like that are really pretty high. And so it's, it's pretty challenging. Now, you're right about the ease of starting a business and doing business in Wyoming. We are one of, if not the easiest states to do business in. And, uh, but that's not the, that's not the panacea. There's, it's, it's a little bit more complex. And so when you start thinking about the amount of population we have, that's a good thing that we have a low population because everybody knows everybody and there's a lot of collaboration around the state. But it also can be a bit of a challenge because of the available workforce that's that's here. And so we're looking at how do we take and make sure that some of the communities that are um, are pretty good sized can continue to grow and then spill out into those uh, smaller communities as well. And so you're right; it's a it's it's a bit of a conundrum that we're trying to unpack. Um, but I think we're 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 making strides toward that. And I think you've seen some growth in some of the areas of the state that have access to population and they have access to workforce. Um, places like Cheyenne and Sheridan have really kind of transitioned and grown their economies quite a bit. And I think that those, that's a good example of those. I do take a look at, and I'm just going to put a bug in your ear about this. There was a time, and I've lived in a couple of major cities, where the skyscraper, the downtown, was the big thing. Mm -hmm. And when people ran mm -hmm. an office, you had to have an office filled with all sorts of people who had to show up in downtown and go to work. But these days, a lot of those big cities, the skyscrapers are empty because the office is more and more for those types of employees at home. I know quite a few people, one gentleman in particular who's in, uh, of all places, Chugwater, Wyoming, and his mm -hmm. company's out of state. And it doesn't matter. Yep. There's people all around the state that I know of that do basic office work, but they do it from Wyoming where they can enjoy that nice salary, but they don't even have to worry about a state income tax or any of the other problems that come with working and living in a big city, including congestion. I wonder if we can go yep. ahead and drag in from other states some of those big office communities. Hey, locate your employee headquarters here. They can do it from home. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's actually something that's happening and it's happening without us even, uh, you know, I wouldn't say not trying because, you know, the beautiful thing about Wyoming tourism is it brings people in and it's kind of like the first date. Um, they, they come in and they see how great it is and they're like, gosh, this would be a great place. And we're starting to see that. And I think you'll, you'll know that, um, that broadband is a, is a critical issue with that. And that's an area that we're focused in. My agency handles the broadband in the state and that's something that we're focused on improving as well so that we can make sure that uh, when, when companies do allow that remote work and more and more do, that, that we're ready for it. And, and I think you're going to see more of that. And, and what's beautiful about that is it brings in um, some, some knowledge workers, some know-how into our communities that maybe we didn't have before. 
And that tends to start other businesses because those folks say, hey, this is a great place. Maybe I can do some other things. And it really kind of helps, you know, kind of put places a, a seed crystal, if you will, and catalyze a little bit of that growth. So we're, we're, that's one of the areas that we're looking at and that we, um, we think is, is a, is a driver. Of course, that's, that's something that's probably going to happen more organic. Um, and we'll be ready for it. Whereas right. these other things, we kind of want to instigate and uh, put some funding and some effort towards. Well, I would like to see more manufacturing. There have been some manufacturers that have located in the state of Wyoming. And to let businesses from outside the state know, Wyoming not only has a lot of skilled people technically, welders, yeah. electricians, yeah. I mean, name it, that kind of uh, blue-collar worker, but also the infrastructure with the highways and the railways and the mining mm-hmm. and so on. It's all just sitting right here waiting to go. Yeah, well, two two major, well, three, really, three major highways going through the state. That's a huge thing for logistics and for manufacturing. And, and if you think about uh, some of the big projects that are coming our way, um, you know, with, with the nuclear power plant, a lot of the energy projects that are happening um, whether that be hydrogen or whether that be CCUS, those are things that are going to encourage more of that. And um, you're right about our workforce. One of the things that our workforces really understand is is that industrial type work. They understand the safety culture that's necessary for those, and they they really like to uh, to do that kind of work. And so the good news is we have a lot of opportunities there, and I think we've seen some communities really capitalize on that. If you look at the the number of, of manufacturing um, jobs that have happened just in Sheridan County in the last, uh, oh gosh, I think it's been maybe 10 or 15 years. It's gone from a, a basically, you know, very small, a bit of manufacturing now up to in one business park alone, over 400 employees are are uh, in manufacturing. And, and you, so you start to look at that and you see the growth that can happen. But the thing, Glenn, that's important for people to understand is it doesn't happen with one thing. It happens over time, and, and the, there's got to be a lot of leadership and a lot of vision, for, okay. and, and quite frankly, appetite for the long run. Well, real quick, it, I got to run to news. Got to run yep. to news time here. How do people get a hold of the Wyoming Business Council and work with you? You know, if you get to uh, wyomingbusiness.org, you'll you'll find our website and be able to connect with us. Lynn. Well, right. Thanks for your time today. Sure, Appreciate yes, it. thanks for coming on. Coming up on news time, weather forecast right after that. You and I get back into a nice long segment of Open Phones, 888-97-WOODS, Wake Up Wind. Hear Wyoming from Boring Morning Radio. That man is Glenn Woods. This is Wake Up Wyoming on K2 Radio. Six to time. Wake up, Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me Tuesday. Some of you digging out. Hang in there. I just wait for summertime to come around. Let's let's it melt off. I don't bother shoveling. Why would I? Or I hire someone to do it. All right. Triple eight ninety seven Woods. The phone number. That's eight 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 ninety seven W O O D S. You can talk about what I'm talking about. Change the subject. Fine by me. So real quick, if you're wondering, because I was during the course of the weekend, I was in an area. I'm in an area that gets a lot of snow in an event like this and man it it piled up and i actually did all kidding aside hire someone just to come in and do some snow blowing because it would have taken me hours and this guy did it in like a minute because he had this huge snow blower 
He was already working on a neighbor's yard. And he just walked in, pushing that thing ahead of him, blowing all the snow out of the way, done. So absolutely worth it in that case. That's what got me to work this morning, too. Now, I was wondering during the course of the weekend, where are the snow plows? There's some main arteries around here. They're not getting plowed. Answer to that is on the Wake Up Wyoming website. Quote, we deal with it because we have to YDOT talk staffing shortages and workarounds. Now, remember, before we got into this snowy season here, I had come across an article like this and talked to you guys about it. Story by Colby is certainly we have been dealing with staffing shortages for a while. They have been worse this year, said in 2022. This is Director of Department of Transportation told K2 Radio News that his vision for 2023 is filling those vacancies so they can actually complete their mission fully. So if you're wondering where the snow plows out, well, main arteries, things like that, because of staffing shortages. Quote, we're working very hard in many facets to retain who we do have and try to recruit more. They do have openings, probably in your community. Get a hold of YDOT. Quote, we're no different than anybody who's competing for an available pool. He says about prioritizing, right now, snow is a high priority task, obviously. He said good meteorology has helped them better predict where to put their equipment. So they listen to the weatherman, Don Day, right, for example, and decide, okay, we're about to get a big winter event, and according to the forecast, we should position our plows and trucks and yada yada here. If Think about it for those who spend time in the military. If you have a smaller military force and you can't cover every place, then you move your forces to where they're most effective. That's essentially what he's doing. They know the areas with the most staffing shortages, too, and keep an eye on weather patterns to see if they can send help to them when needed. But if it's a statewide event, they can't do that. In that case, it's just going to be slower. If the whole state is covered and really bogged down, then they can't send, you know, concentrate their forces and send it to where you are. Otherwise, it's going to be spread out. So we've always tried to get the plow on the roads, make sure school buses can go. Quote, our purpose in life is to support the economy, our state, our connection to communities, and make our lives better for all residents. He says, we think making sure kids can get to school is key. Another way they work around shortages by asking previous YDOT, maintenance, in this case, snowplow drivers, can you come in? Can you help? Hey, listen, we're really um, asking for volunteers if we can, he said. They just need bodies. So if you've ever wanted to drive a big snowplow, I don't know what the qualifications are, but they're looking for help. He said he's called supervisors and explained that it's a priority mission to push in the snow this winter. So depending on what their employees are doing, it might be critical for them to go out and do that so everybody else can get to work. And that, I would imagine, involves even taking office people if, if they can drive. Okay. So we're dealing with it, but what you, it's just a, a short staff. We have jobs for everybody to perform our mission correctly with a full staff. We need it because, well, again, the mission can't be done without all hands on deck.
So I'll see if I can. Hey, Miss Mary, is it possible? I'll send you the story here to get this gentleman on the air because that would be interesting to have a conversation with him about what what YDOT is dealing with and how they move their assets around when they have to. Um, and then he talks about other things that they try to do in order to help you out during the course of this winter. It's a pretty good, long, involved article. So if you want to see the whole article, you go to uh, the Wake Up Wyoming website. Miss Mary will alert it out at some point and take a look at what YDOT is dealing with at this time. Miss Mary gives me a thumbs up. So, okay. Well, and that goes back to what I was dealing with during the course of the weekend. I intentionally, knowing the storm was coming, set myself up so I really didn't have to go anywhere. I'm just not moving. I'm just staying inside. I'm just going to wait the sucker out. And thankfully, I had the days off to go ahead and do that, and I just waited the whole thing out. And when I got to work, you know, I get here about 2.30, something like that in the morning, and I was able to do it because they actually did send snow plows down on the road in front of where I live, so I was able to get out there and actually get down the road. But again, during the course of the entire weekend, I didn't see a truck, a snowplow, anywhere. Now, I do know in my community, if I had driven out to the main arteries, they certainly would have had that. It's not just schools. It's during the weekend. There's emergency vehicles that are going to need to get to people. So they'll make sure that at least the main arteries are set up. Now the cleanup begins. As I was heading this morning into work, I noticed that, yes, the roads were plowed out, but, of course, that leaves that big berm right down the middle. And that's where they bring out the real big Tonka toys. To I mean, you think about what a snowblower. I know you guys know what this looks like, but you think about what a regular hand-pushed snowblower looks like. All right, just picture a mega one that you have to drive, but it does the same thing, operates the same way. I saw that coming up my street one day, well, just, just about a week ago. Now they're going to have to do this again. This time there's far more snow than before. What it's fun to watch, I think, even though it's a lot of work, but I think what's fun to watch, and I want to see if I can get some pictures for you guys. So where I'm at, they take the snow out of town. And they bring it over to an empty lot that's just across from these radio studios, not far away. I can walk to it real quick. And they dump the snow. They pile it high in this empty lot. It is right next to the Platte River. And the land is shaped in just the perfect way. So as that snow starts to melt, and of course it naturally will, it'll take a while because there's going to be so much of it. But it just flows right into the Platte and down the river. Yeah. Good spot. I have seen other... I've seen communities like Gillette. They'll actually go to some of their... Um, they have empty lots, too. But some of them are right by some of their lakes and ponds. And they'll put the snow around that. So as it melts, it just fills in the lake and pond. Which is what they wanted anyway by the time they got to wintertime. was just uh, Or summertime to have that little body of water all full for as long as they can keep it full. So just dump it there. 845, wake up Wyoming. Sometimes the best... Len Woods, more stimulating than that first cup of coffee. This is AM 1030 K2 Radio.
848 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Off we go to the icebox. Talk to Frank Gambino. Okay, Frank, there's something on the Wake Up Wyoming website that you really want to watch because it's just like freaky cool science. Okay, okay I'm ready. Okay, so there's a guy who goes out to, you know, there's um, a fire pit that's like propane in his backyard. Okay, yeah. yeah and it's like cinder blocks in a circle. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are kind of cool, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. All covered in snow. Okay. So he goes ahead and turns on the gas and then flicks a bick over top of it. That's not fu- that's not smart. No, 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 no. You, you've got to see it because the gas is coming up through the snow Oh, as it burns. And they turn the lights off. It is freaky to watch the gas make its way up through the snow. And at first, the snow doesn't melt. It's like fire and ice. Really? It's freaky to why. Why isn't the snow melting away immediately? And it's not. Eventually it does, but for quite a while there, people are warming their hands above the snow. But you see, the gas itself is passing through the snow, right? And it's still cold. I I need to see that. Oh, yeah. There's two videos on this. And I like it in the first video when someone turns the lights out so you can see what's actually happening on this. And I looked at this and I thought, I do not have a backyard with a fire pit like this, but I want one now. Yeah. And and, and gas? Sure. Why not? You know, there's no flying embers. There's no nothing. Uh, nothing. And if you can uh, replicate that effect, you can be yeah. out there all night. Yeah. Oh, I'd be out there all night just watching this freak. Because as it is, when you have a fire going, you tend to stand there and stare at it. It's very hypnotic. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 I do, yeah. yeah. I had a, uh, a fire pit in my, in my yard in Chicago. We just, yeah. you just, you're, you're mesmerized by it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely mesmerized. Yeah. Now, I love fireplaces. And then there's also a listener to this program in front of mine. We call him Fire Pit Paul. Because he's in Cheyenne. And every weekend, he goes, doesn't matter what the weather is, goes into the backyard. And they just start tossing stuff on oh, this yeah. fire pit oh, yeah. in the backyard. Neighbors come over. People <laughs> hang out and talk. And they got a big fire going in the backyard there, which is something I've noticed. When I was a kid growing up in those islands, we would go to a beach and light a bonfire. Of that, course. Yeah, that was always a big thing. In fact, I would sometimes take my little sailboat and on the weekends, sail up at night up the coastline looking for a bonfire because I knew that's where my friends would be. So, see? so that's, wherever you are, somewhere, somehow, that's how you find your friends. Where's the bonfire? All righty. Well, in the National Football League, Buffalo Bills player DeMar Hamlin is currently in critical condition in a medically induced coma at a Cincinnati hospital following a major cardiac event in last night's game against the Bengals. The Bills say Hamlin's heartbeat was restored on the field before going to the hospital and received CPR on the field for about eight minutes. Hamlin collapsed after he tackled Bengal receiver T. Higgins in the first quarter of that game. Higgins made contact with Hamlin with his right shoulder. Hamlin got up right away and then fell backwards and then he received immediate attention from the medical staff and all you needed to do is see the look on the faces of the Bills players to know that this was a major medical issue everyone was just shook and that's probably putting it lightly and the entire stadium just went absolutely quiet. The game was ultimately postponed at the behest of the respective head coaches. College football from back on Friday, the Wyoming Cowboys lost to Ohio 30-27 to in the Arizona Bowl in overtime in the next session the Cowboys had the ball first, they kicked 
the field goal to lead 27-24. Ohio responded with a 10-yard touchdown pass from C.J. Harris to Tyler Foster for a TD. Frankly, the Pokes got beat by a great play. That, that was a great catch and throw by the Bobcats for that game-winning touchdown. UW running back Jordan Vaughn had touchdown, two touchdowns. Quarterback Andrew Peasley, 18-30 for 186 yards, one TD pass, and one interception. Wyoming finishes the year at 7-6. and six. Really, that's a better-than-expected result considering how young the team was and how many players they lost through to the through the transfer portal. Ohio will wrap things up at 10-4. and In men's college basketball, the Wyoming Cowboys gave 22nd rated New Mexico all they could handle but fell 76-75 in Laramie on Saturday. The folks had some opportunities at the free-throw line late, late in the game but could not capitalize. They were led in scoring by Ethan Anderson with 17. Folks did shoot 49% from the floor and made eight three-pointers in the game, so that was encouraging. Next up for the Pokes, who sit at 5-9 and nine overall and 0-2 in Mountain West play. is a home game on Saturday versus San Diego State. New Mexico, by the way, is 14-0. and 0. In women's college basketball, the Wyoming Cowgirls beat Fresno State on Saturday in two overtimes in Laramie, 77-72. So they are 8-5 and five overall, 1-1 one and one in Mountain West play. Fresno State scored the final five points of regulation to force the first overtime. Fresno got a bucket with eight seconds to go to force the second overtime. In the second extra session, Malene Peterson of, of UW hit two big free throws in the last minute and the Cowgirls hung on from there. Allison Furtick led the way for 22 for the Cowgirls. Peterson at 18 and Wyoming will host New Mexico on Thursday. I had to look it up. I don't want to sound morbid but when Mr. Hamlin fell over I keep hearing reports. Oh, he just fell over completely backwards. Yeah. So I went and watched the video and yeah, he stood up like he was fine and then just went flat backwards. Yeah. And everybody turned around and watched him fall like, What? You know, so, oh, my Lord, I had never seen anything like that before on the football Yeah, field, and, the, so. and the medical response was was um, yeah. very, very urgent. Immediately. Immediately yeah. and very urgent. All right. Thank you, Frank. Do it again next hour. Coming up on some local business we have to take care of. We're rolling to news time after that. National local update on the weather forecast. Wake up, Wyoming. Six of time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. It's a Tuesday. Hope you're digging out just fine. That's kind of a Wyoming wish, isn't it? Hope you're digging out just fine here. Don't hurt your back. All right, coming up uh, in just a few minutes, we'll do a nice long segment of Open Phones. But right now, though, there's a lot of organizations around the state of Wyoming that help your community that you may or may not know about. This one, it's important that you know they are in your community or nearby. The Yes Foundation. With me is Mary Merlongo, Executive Director of the Yes House Foundation. Good morning. Good morning, Glenn. How are you? Very good. For those who don't know, what does Yes House do? So the Yes House is the Youth Emergency Services in uh, Gillette, and um, the Yes House works with at-risk youth and their families every year. So there's 13 programs here from residential treatment centers to school therapy, mentorship. Um, the Yes House works with about 1,000 kiddos and their families every year. Okay. So 
you, of course, and this is the perfect time of year to do this. Of course, you take some time to raise some money, get what you need. You have a chili cook-off coming up. This is just this we is the do. time of year when you get the chili out. Yes, it's perfect time for chili. Cold weather. We okay. Love it. So, how do people participate in this? So we have teams. Um, we're going to have about forty teams this year. We're still taking team applications until January tenth. Um, and so you register for a team, you can do one category. There's five categories. You can do one or all five. So there's three for chili, red chili, green chili, or other, and then salsa and guacamole. Um, we set up, it's an all day event. We have judges who will do blind taste testing, uh, taste of the chili. And then we have people's choice. This year's theme is a night at the movie. So people can decorate their booths how they want. We have the public is able to vote for their favorite booth. So it's a lot of fun. We're going to have live music there. So it's it's just a really fun day event. Okay. So first, if somebody wants to participate as a contestant, how do they get a hold of you to do it? So they can go to my website, which is yeshousefoundation.org. And there's a tab that says events and they can click on that and we have the forms all there. It'll They can fill it out online or they can print it off and email it over to us. And uh, it's pretty simple and easy. We'll invoice you. You can pay with credit card. However, I mean, whatever, we're we're pretty easy to work with. And what's the deadline for this? January 10th. January 10th is the deadline. Okay. Now, let's go yep. a little bit beyond the, uh, well, for those people who want to show up at the event, they need to be where, when? So it is going to be at Camplex. We're going to have a VIP hour from 3 until 4. So that's for those people who don't really like large crowds. That's a $20 ticket, so it's going to be um, a lot less people there. Uh, you can visit with more of the booths and talk to the teams about their chilies and recipes. And then the event is from 4 to 9 p.m. It is $10 for adults, and then kiddos 10 and under are free. Um, we're going to have live music starting about 6, 6 6.30. Um, otherwise, it's just going to be a fun event to try. Like I said, we're going to have about 40 booths there, 40 teams is our goal. And so lots to choose from, different types of chili, salsa, guacamole. Okay. doesn't matter where you are in Wyoming, you can participate in this one. What else does the yep. Yes House need as far as help? So the Yes House, um, one of the things that people are able to give their time, they're always looking for mentors. So that's just an hour a week commitment. So um, Stacey Helweg is the coordinator for that, and she'll visit with you and get you in touch with a kiddo that could really just use a positive role model in their life. Um, obviously, uh anything to do with like um there's food we have the tr transitional living program so they're for kiddos 18 to 24 so they have a food pantry um money uh, always helps out to help out with our budget and then uh school supplies backpacks um anything like that pencils paper always always looking for that okay so once again to participate in this event campbell county gillette house and they need to go where online yeshousefoundation.org, and then it's under events. Okay. Uh, let's get some results when you guys are all done. I'd love to know who won. That's awesome. We would all love right. to do that. Thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. Perfect. Thanks, Glenn. Have a great day. Sure. 9-11 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Some lie letting you vent. This is Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Join in at 888-97-WOODS.
17 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Len Woods. Thanks for joining me. All right, open phones, which I give you every day at some point, and that's where we get to hear from people from all across the region. You know, just through the radio stations that carry this program, we're heard from the Montana border, down past Denver, and in an area just as wide. That's just the radio stations that carry the program. Then there's a lot of people, and it is a fast-growing number. Today's modern radio is basically the phone in your pocket. Most people have one. Almost everybody does. And your phone is just like a radio. You have the Wake Up Wyoming app, which you download for free at your app store. You can either touch Listen Live, and there you have it, or when the program is over, you can touch the on-demand key and select the episode that you want to listen to. And just go back, and and it's uh, condensed. We get rid of a lot of news, sports, a lot of commercials, to condense the show down so it's not you know as, as long and then you can start and stop and listen whenever you want so the vast amount of listeners are still on radio but they're getting really close to being overwhelmed by the number of people who just use their phone as a radio today which I don't have a problem with. I don't care how you listen to the program in fact with the app on your phone it doesn't matter if you're within range of a radio station or not there it is listen whenever you want okay so new year coming along Headline that I have for you. By the way, the phone number to call in, 888-97-WOODS. That's 888-97-WOODS. Talk about what I'm talking about or change the subject. Headline, list of Biden tax hikes hitting Americans January 1st. It's a long, long list. Oh, and wait till I tell you what California has in store for Californians. Sales tax for the alarm clock. Tax on the electric to run the alarm clock. Toilet paper tax. Tax on water. Air freshener tax. Lots of air freshener tax. Sales tax on toothpaste and soap and more water tax. Tax on coffee and water again. Sales tax on coffee cups, coffee maker, clothing tax, property tax, vehicle sales tax, gasoline tax, license and registration tax. Soon to come, mileage tax, income tax, banking taxes, investment taxes, sales tax on the computer and accessories, internet access fees. Soon to come, internet sales tax, food taxes. Yeah, we've covered this already. Office supply store to buy thumbtacks. Tax. Phone taxes. There's a list of those. Medical insurance taxes. Medicine taxes. Medical insurance taxes. Medicine taxes. Medical device taxes. And now, an Obamacare gym membership tax. Bottled water tax. Pet food tax. Dog license tax. Veterinary tax. Death tax. Did we miss anything? If we didn't, don't worry. We'll get to it. Government reminding you that we're just loaning you everything that you've earned because it's really ours, not yours or your kids or grandkids. We're taking what hasn't been earned yet, too, just adding it to the pile because it was ours to begin. Some of the big lies of the Biden administration, he likes to say, well, I cut the deficit by a trillion dollars. No, he didn't. That's a flat out lie. All right. Moving on from there. Also wants to say that he is making sure that the middle class don't get... We're going to tax the rich, but not the middle class. From the Americans for Tax Reform, $6.5 billion natural gas tax will increase household energy bills. And a lot of people are heating their homes with natural gas today. Think of your household energy bill, how high it is right now. Just wait until three major energy taxes in the Inflation Reduction Act... Hit your wallet. Now, think about that. In most cases, when government writes a bill, it does the opposite of what the bill says it'll do. 
the Inflation Reduction Act, which has nothing to do with inflation. It was really the Green New Deal under another name. The Inflation Reduction Act increases inflation. And part of it is through this tax here. The tax will drive up the cost of household energy bills. Congressional Budget Office estimates natural gas tax will increase, uh, well, taxes by about $6.5 billion. The tax hike violates the President Biden's uh, energy tax pledge to any American making less than $400,000 a year. The Biden administration officials, the story says, have repeatedly admitted that taxes raised on consumer energy prices are in violation of the uh, President Biden's $400,000 tax pledge, which... Again, when did you ever expect Biden to tell the truth about anything? All right, moving on. Letter to Congress from the American Gas Association warned methane tax would amount to about 17% increase in the average family's natural gas bill. Democrats have included a tax on the bill despite retail prices surpassing multi-year highs. Then there's a $12 billion crude oil tax, which will increase household costs. All this gets passed on to you. This is the Biden administration and the Democrats saying we're going to tax those evil rich. But who ends up really paying? And it gets passed on to you. Story says Democrats are imposing a 16.4 cents per barrel tax on crude oil and imported petroleum products that will be passed on to consumers in the form of higher gas prices. The tax violates again that $400,000 a year pledge. And if there aren't enough, uh, weren't enough uh, bad things going, Democrats have pledged their tax uh, to, well, they say they're going to decrease inflation. But once again, this is adding to inflation. Then there's this 1.2 billion coal tax, which will increase household energy bills. The tax hike more than doubles the current excise tax on coal production under the Democrat proposal tax hike on coal from subsurface mining will increase about 50 cents per ton, uh, 110 per ton on the uh, other type of mining, surface mining, and so on. It'll raise, they say, about $1.2 billion. Here's the next thing is whenever they say, well, this is going to raise all of this money for the federal government. The federal government doesn't need any more money. The federal government gets enough money. It's how they spend it that's the problem. They don't need any more money. They need to quit spending so much. And yet they keep finding ways. And oh, the, the estimate, well, this is going to raise $2 billion in taxes. And rarely a raise in taxes rarely ever brings in the revenue that they predict. $74 billion stock plan, which will hit your nest egg, 401k and IRA pension plans. When Americans choose to sell shares of stock back to a company. Democrats will impose a new federal excise tax, which will reduce the value of household nest eggs. Raising taxes and restricting stock buybacks harms the retirement savings of any individual with a 401k or IRA pension plan. Union retirement plans will also be hit. The unions are not going to like that. And unions mostly vote Democrats. Tax will put U.S. employers at a competitive disadvantage with China which does not have such tax. Stock buybacks help grow your retirement accounts. Raising taxes and restricting buybacks will harm about 58% of Americans. This is something, let's go back to energy for just a moment. This is when 
Democrats say, well, we're going to tax those evil oil companies. And a lot of people picture some big fat guy, you know, big rolly belly in a three-piece suit with his feet up on his desk. He's going bald up the middle. Big oak desk in a huge office. He's smoking a cigar. He's got a drink in his hand. <laughs> That's how they picture oil executives. The real oil executive, though, is um, not so much that guy. I should say owner of an oil company. It's not that guy. It's your retirement plan. It's your 401k. It's your IRA. It's grandma living on a fixed income. A lot of that money is invested in things like coal, gas, and oil. So if they tax that, who are they really taxing? Old people on fixed incomes. Your retirement, too. So the retirement accounts hold the largest share of corporate stocks. About 37% of the outstanding $228 trillion of U.S. corporate stocks, according to the Tax Foundation. In 2017, corporate-sponsored funds made up about $4.45 trillion in market value. And again, this is owned by individuals who have retirement accounts. $225 billion corporate income tax, which a hike will be passed on to household. Democrats impose a 15% corporate alternative minimum tax on financial statements income American businesses reporting more than a billion dollars in profits. The cost of the tax increase will be borne by working families. It'll be passed on. By the way, let's say, okay, they point out here, because the Democrats are doing as well, a company earned over a billion dollars this year so they can afford the tax. Okay, yes, the company made a billion dollars. Now, how much did it cost them to do business? They have to pay all of their employees, plus all of the insurance, the business, it's the buildings, the vehicles, the electricity, the insurance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Out of the billion dollars that they made, how much do they get to keep? There's many businesses that make a billion dollars a year, and yet they're on the verge of bankruptcy every single year because of the cost of doing business. A tax foundation report last December found a 15% book tax would reduce GDP by 0.1% and kill about 27,000 jobs, but the Democrats do it anyway. Preliminary cost estimates from the Congressional Budget Office found the provision would increase taxes by more than $225 billion. According to the analysis, about 49.7% of the tax would be borne by the manufacturing industry. And again, that means inflation. This is all because of the Inflation Reduction Act. Tax Foundation also warned current supply chain issues could be, well, could be worsened by all these taxes. The report concluded the coal industry faces the heaviest burden of the book. Minimum tax facing a net hike of about 7.2% followed by automobile and truck manufacturing, about 5.1%. Have you tried buying an automobile or a truck lately? Yeah. Oh, the gym membership tax, R.H. Wiggins gym membership tax. Um, I have to probably go back and check that uh, little funny bit that I played. was recorded a few years ago, and I think the gym membership tax was repealed. Let me go back, because if it is, I have to take it out of that bit that I played. It might be a little dated. I'll look it up and get back to you. 9.29 is the time. Coming up on some local news update on your weather forecast. Right after that, more open phones, 888-97-WOODS. 
going to get a little windy. Not drastically, but wind will pick up a little bit this afternoon. So all that snow that we had, that starts blowing around. You know the snow drift story? Okay. We'll keep you posted on that. Wake up, Wyoming. Six of time. Wake up, my own. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. Triple eight ninety seven Woods. The phone number. I'm answering some people, which I always do during the course of a commercial break. I did let some people know. Well, let you guys know top of the hour that one of the ways that we broadcast is there's multiple stations that carry this program, right? Uh, but then there's more and more people, and that number is quickly catching up to the radio audience. Your phone is now your new radio, and you don't need to be tech savvy. You touch the Wake Up Wyoming app. You touch Listen Live or touch On Demand and select an old show, period, done. That also gives people advantage besides the phone calls. While I'm on the air, people hit the chat button. And they ask me questions or make comments or send me pictures or videos or links to stories, whatever. So I'm chatting with people by text message during the commercial breaks. Jan and Cheyenne, Rhiannon Fort Danger, R.H. in Wiggins, Colorado, Grandpa Rich in Thermopolis, Curly in Chugwater, Artie's in Casper, Chappies in Burns, Heidi John, Jan, uh, Granite Canyon. Junkman is in Alliance, where he only got seven inches of snow, so I beat you. Let's see. Gillette Chuck is in Gillette. Oh, I got to answer him. Uh, Scott and Casper. There's more Cheyenne and Casper. Douglas, Wyoming, Lake Wills, Florida, places like that, all over the place. So that's how a lot of people communicate with me when I'm on the air, and you can go ahead and do that, too. All right, now, uh, oh, long as, since I was talking about taxes, I haven't played this one in a while, but it's one of my favorite bits I created years ago called Taxpayer Revenge. Hello? It's your roommate. Uh, yeah, funny. I don't have a roommate. Hi. Where are you going? You can't just barge in here. Why not? We share this apartment. We what? Well, the government might have given you this place, but I'm the one paying for it. You are? Uh, yeah. How do you figure that? Ma'am, allow me to introduce myself. I'm a taxpayer. You... You are? Wow. I've heard of you people, but I don't think I've ever met one before. Oh, no, ma'am. We're just a small percentage of the population, but we pay most of the taxes. So you're the one paying for all this stuff? Yes, ma'am. I pay for your house, your food. Electricity, my cell phone, my car, my gas. That's why I'm here. I, I still don't understand. Well, you see, I pay so much in taxes, I can't afford any of this stuff myself. They've given it all to you. So I guess we're just going to have to share. Well, but... I... Look, where are the car keys? <laughs> oh, 
no. I just bought that car. No, no, ma'am. We bought that car. And I have to get to work so we can keep paying for all of this. Oh, right. Uh, over there on the counter. See you at dinner. Oh, and since I'm paying for all this, I'm taking the master bedroom. See, that's a very old bit that I wrote many years ago, and it still fits to this day. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go to California. How they plan to screw people in 2023. From Babylon B, I love this bit, the song, Wish We All Could Leave California. just considered refugees once you do it you got to saw uh, sign the pledge to not california any state that you move to in other words vote differently seven new california laws take in effect how they plan to just screw the people feather alert system newsom signed a bill which creates uh, similar to an amber alert but indigenous people who have gone missing under the explained or suspicious circumstance of thing that takes effect oh minimum wage increase oh yeah minimum wage increase up to fifteen dollars an hour we've talked about that extensively which if their economy is not bad enough it's really going to hurt their economy transportation pay scales another new law requiring companies with 15 or more employees to post pay scales in job postings so you can see what everybody around you is earning like is any of your business uh, new holidays. Newsom signed several state holidays, including Genocide Remembrance Day, Juneteenth, Lunar New Year, and uh, Native American Day. Farm workers, a bill expanding the rights of farm workers in California to unionize. Legalizing jaywalking. Sure, why not? Well, it used to be just uh, nobody was handing out tickets for jaywalking anyway, so why not? legalize it. Passing bicycle, uh, passing bicyclists. Previously, California law required vehicles to maintain uh, three feet distance when a bicycle was passing uh, or heading in the same direction. Now the vehicles uh, will require them to move to another lane for bicycles. Fast Food Labor Council. There was a law scheduled to take effect January 1st that would be put on hold until Californians can vote in 2024 would create a council to oversee labor conditions in the fast food industry. Just some of the things they plan to dump in. As you can see, as you take a look at some of what they plan to do, some of what they plan to dump on California will not be good for their economy. And more businesses will pack up and leave, which I don't mind if they do. Just remember, when you come to other states like here, Wyoming, and other states, do not vote the way you were devoted. Don't. Just don't vote the way you were voting before. Don't bring California with you. Leave it behind. 942, wake up, Wyoming. Hi, I'm Glenn Woods is on the air. Sorry, but we had a budget. Join the conversation at 888-97-WOODS. This is K2 Radio. Time forty eight is the time. Let's wake up, Wyoming. Off to the ice box we go. Frank Gambino waiting by. Uh, so, Frank, first off, we were having a conversation. Apparently, YDOT really is in need of a lot of snowplow drivers, and it'll take just about any warm body. And I want to try it at least once. 
Okay. I cannot um, guarantee you, the safety of your vehicle parked on the roadside or even safely in a parking lot, but I want to try it. You probably can't even guarantee your own safety. No. With some of the idiots that are out none, there. None whatsoever. No. And you don't want me operating heavy equipment, but that to me is the fun. Well, I mean, just get on the road. Yeah. I and mean, you're going to be in there in the worst conditions. People are depending on yes. you. Yeah. To get from point A to point B, they're going to follow you. Exactly. They may right. even Look, try to pass you. Frank, people don't trust me to drive a normal sized car on a nice day. And then you're going to you're going to try to drive that damn straight. You know what? You know what you can do. To yeah. be honest with you, you can go on a ride along. They'll take. I do want to do. I actually do. They'll, want They'll take that. And all you got to do is video the guy while they're in there and make sure yeah. that they're in like a like a storm thing. Yeah. And it'd be like. Whoa, these, I these actually unbelievable. want to do that next time there's a big storm. Okay, I found a sign just, I mean, this is perfect. You'll like this. It's outside of a little sporting arena for kids, an ice skating rink. Please remember. Okay. One, these are kids. Yes. Two, this is a game, it says in all capital letters. Yes. Parents should cheer for everyone. Yes. Referees are human. Yes. Your child is not playing in the NHL. Not, not not yet. If you do not understand this, please contact a board member and we'll be happy to explain it to you. Right. <laughs> you you see you see that at um, yeah. little league fields too for baseball. Oh yeah. 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 Parents. Everybody pa- pa- is parent, there. parents are the best thing about see? um amateur athletics uh-huh. and the worst. Yes. How does that happen? I don't know. Everybody's there to have a good time. That's why I agree with cheer the other kid just like you would cheer your kid. They're kids. Yes, exactly right. The kids are just out there to have a good time. Right. And it's the parents who screw everything up. Ninety-nine percent of the time. Yes. But but don't you I mean don't don't make the, the kids aren't exactly one hundred percent innocent. I, I have a prediction. I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. There will be a new reality television show oh. featuring the parents. Of little league teams and other such teams. If not, like if that. not, go on YouTube. Oh, it, it's sure. all over yeah. the place. Is it? I've never all looked it over up. the place. Oh my lord! I might have to do that just to see all the kind of meltdown people's have. Oh. Do these parents ever get embarrassed? They, I, I, I guess not. But well, they, get there the kids are, do. Maybe not. Oh yeah. Like mom, we have. Yeah. Please go home. Oh, hopefully the kids don't learn from this. All right. Well, in the National Football League, Buffalo Bills player DeMar Hamlin currently in critical condition at a Cincinnati hospital in a medical-induced coma following a major cardiac event in last night's game against the Bengals. Bills say that Hamlin's heartbeat was restored on the field after going to the hospital before going to the hospital and received CPR on the field for about eight minutes. Hamlin collapsed after he tackled Bengal receiver T. Higgins in the first quarter of that game, and Higgins made contact with Hamlin with his right shoulder. Hamlin got up right away and then fell backwards. He received immediate attention from the medical staff and all you needed to see was the look on the Bills, on the face of the Bills players to know that this was a major medical issue. It was just a, a, a stunning uh, a turn of events there. The game was ultimately postponed at the behest of the respective head coaches. College football from Friday, the Wyoming Cowboys lost to Ohio 30-27 to in the Arizona Bowl in Tucson in overtime. In that extra session, the Cowboys had the ball first. They kicked the field goal to lead 27-24. Ohio responded with a 10-yard touchdown pass from C.J. Harris to Tyler Foster 
for a touchdown. Frankly, the Pokes got beat by a great play. That was an excellent catch and throw for that game-winning score for the Bobcats. UW running back Jordan Vaughn had two touchdowns. Quarterback Andrew Peasley, 18 of 30 for 186 yards, one TD pass, one interception. Wyoming finishes the year 7-6. and six. Really, that's better than most people expected considering how young the team was and how many starters they did lose to the transfer portal last season. Ohio wraps things up at 10-4. and four. In men's college basketball, the Wyoming Cowboys uh, gave 22nd-rated New Mexico all they could handle before losing 76-75 in Laramie on Saturday. Pokes had some opportunities at the free throw line late in the game but just couldn't capitalize. They were led in scoring by Ethan Anderson with 17 points. Cowboys shot 49% from the floor. They made eight threes in the game. That's encouraging. Next up for the Pokes will be San Diego State on Saturday. UW is 5-9 and nine overall, 0-2 oh, in Mountain West Conference play. New Mexico, by the way, is 14-0. and oh. In women's college basketball, the Wyoming Cowgirls beat Fresno State in two overtimes on Saturday, 77-72. So they are 8-5 and five overall, 1-1 one one in Mountain West Conference play. Fresno State scored the final five points of regulation to force the first overtime. Then the Fresno got a bucket with eight seconds to go to force the second overtime. In the second extra session, Malene Peterson hit two big free throws in the last minute, and the Cowgirls hung on from there. Allison Furtick led the way for UW with 22 points. Peterson at 18. Cowgirls will host New Mexico on Thursday in Laramie. That's it in sports. And you were saying really early this morning that this is not the first time there's been a heart attack on the field. No, no. This is, I remember... Um, it, uh, the first name was Chuck. He played for the Detroit Lions. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's it's very, 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 very rare. We've had basketball players, you know, young basketball players lose their lives to heart conditions. Right. They, they were, this was so difficult, difficult, difficult to, to, to watch. And I thought all the people on ESPN did a fabulous job. And okay. it's just a brutal, brutal environment to explain everything that was going on there. This is, ugh. All right. Yeah, I, I can't even, I haven't thought about that. Can't even imagine how to explain that. There's got to yeah. be a lot of silence in the booth, too. And there was. Okay. All right. Thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business we have to take care of, we're going to roll into news time after that national local update on the weather forecast. This program is about to be posted as a podcast. So if you missed the whole thing, go to the Wake Up Wyoming app, hit on demand, listen when you're ready to. Pause it, start it again, share it. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Individual rate.